well, we invite Jesus into this place, don't we? Is that what we want? I know that's what I need. <laughs> uh, good morning, church. Hey, if you are a guest with us, want to give you just a warm welcome. Glad you're here. Uh, we know we got people watching online as well. I want to give you a warm welcome too. Uh, so glad you're tuned in with us. Um, we're, we're kicking off a new series today, but before I talk about that, just want to let you know a couple things. First off, parents, hey, Awana registration uh, is opening up, so um, I'm, I'm encouraging you, sign up uh, sooner than later. Uh, you will be glad you, you, you did. Uh, sometimes we have to have a waiting list, uh, so you kind of get first dibs, so want to let you know. Uh, sign your kids up now, and we're going to need volunteers for that as well, um, so maybe God's going to put that on some of your hearts. Step up and serve in this, uh, this amazing ministry we're doing uh, for our kids. Uh, the other thing I just want to just remind some of us, let some of us know is, hey, we have a handout every week. It's, it's out there at the table. You can grab it on your way in. Uh, I, I bring this up just to let you know there's a lot of stuff going on here at Edinburgh Church, and this will keep you kind of up to date with things that are coming up. Uh, we just had our senior adults, for example, get together. 32 senior adults went and hung out on the lake, uh, and maybe some of you would like to join them. Uh, things like this will let you know when that's coming up. We had uh, I heard 70 young adults and kids get together. Uh, they ordered a bounce house. I don't know what the kids did, but the young adults, I think, had fun. Um, no, I think that we got a picture. It looks like uh, they had a good time. And if maybe you're a young adult and you're like, hey, I'm looking for community, people to hang out with. Well, that's why I want to just encourage you, grab one of these handouts. It'll let you know things that are coming up and the ways you can get better plugged in, or you can go to myedinburghchurch.org, and that'll keep you up to date as well. Well, hey, we are kicking off a new series today called uh, Taking, Taking Ground, and, and what the hope of this series is is that we're going to push back darkness in our lives, maybe even in our homes, maybe even in our community. That's, that's, that's the hope of this series. Um, a few years back, I kind of got into reading some history books, and I really got into reading David McCullough, uh, author David McCullough's books, uh, 1776, yeah, which is a companion to his book, John Adams, uh, one of our founding fathers uh, in the U.S. And, and, and I was just, it, it was just such a, just a good reminder for me of, of uh, what, um, how, how the U.S. Came, came to be, right? Most of us know the general story that uh, the 13 colonies were being oppressed. They were being oppressed by the British Empire, right? Taxation without representation, and, and, and the British were just taxing them to death. And uh, eventually, uh, the, the, the 13 colonies rebelled, uh, started to protest, right? The, the Boston Tea Party, then you get, uh, you know, 1776, July 4th, uh, David McCullough actually argues it was actually technically on July 2nd, which is my birthday, so I like that idea, but we celebrated as July 4th, where they signed the Declaration of Independence, and then, of course, the Revolutionary War, and uh, we ended up winning that war and gaining our independence from the British Empire, gaining our freedom from the British Empire. In other words, we, we, we took back the, the ground. We took back this land, this country. 
And that's kind of a metaphor for this series. That's what I'm hoping for, is that just as, as those 13 colonies were able to uh, gain independence, that you and I are going to gain independence, um, not from some political uh, threat or enemy, but from a spiritual enemy. That we are going to discover more freedom in our lives and start taking back ground in our own hearts, in our own minds, in our own homes. And as I said, even maybe in our community, okay? That, that is the hope of this series, is that ultimately we are going to experience more freedom through the victory we have in Jesus Christ. We read Galatians 5.1, it says this, it says it is for what? What's that word? It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Jesus came so that we can walk in freedom. I just want you to imagine your life for a second. What would that look like for your life if you were walking in more freedom? Freedom to love God more. Freedom to love people more. Freedom to have more peace in your heart and to be free from things like bitterness and anger. Friends, this freedom is something that Jesus wants for all of us. He came to set us free. And I don't know about you, I, I want... I want this freedom, and I want us to, through this series to experience this freedom and know what this freedom feels like, to actually know what it feels like to walk in, in, this, in this freedom. Uh, <laughs> many years ago, I was actually on a vacation in Mexico with uh, my, my wife and some friends. Uh, our friends' parents own this place in Puerto Vallarta. And, uh, and, and Danielle and I found out that like, there was this whale-watching tour that you could go on and uh, our friends knew better. They're like, you don't want to go on that. Trust me. Uh, these things are like a scam. You just don't want to do it. But we, I, I wanted to see some whales. I'd never been to the ocean. Uh, I wanted to see some, some, some whales. So I'm like, we're going to do this. So they eventually, they tagged along. I talked them into it, very reluctant. But we get on this boat, and right away we realize, like, this isn't right. Okay, they promised us a breakfast. They came. They handed us a banana. All right. And then, and then down below, like, we get out into the water, and, and, and all of a sudden the music starts blaring. Uh, we're sitting above, like we got our binoculars ready to see whales, right? And there's like three of us, you know, it's just like, where is all the people who came to see the whales? Because everyone's now hanging out below. The music starts up and we realize instantly, this isn't a whale watching tour. This thing is a booze cruise. <laughs> and the people just start partying. Well, this boat is, I mean, we're now out in the middle of the ocean and I mean, it's up and down sideways. People just start getting sick. Friends, everybody starts vomiting on this boat. It was a nightmare. I'm now going, I'm feeling guilty because I brought everybody on this trip. I'm going and trying to like negotiate to get some like Dramamine from somebody, which I did find actually. I found some, some it was like straight Mexican Dramamine. <laughs> Very powerful stuff. They apparently don't have the same regulations, okay? This stuff will get the job done, but it was a nightmare. Here we are, people vomiting everywhere. We just wanted to get off the boat. We're on, this thing went on for like six hours, and we're just stuck. I remember when we got back to shore, and we were able to get off and be like, freedom. It felt so good. 
That's my hope for us in this series that some of us, we've been on that boat, we've been stuck, we've been in chains, we've been in bondage, we've had strongholds in our life that we don't even realize are there. And my hope is through the victory we have in Jesus, we're going to start breaking free of that and start walking in the freedom Christ came to give. John uh, 10.10, 10, Jesus says, the thief comes, he's talking about the devil here, to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life. And not just a little life, have it to the full. He wants abundant life for you and me. He wants us to experience this, this freedom. Okay, that's my hope for us in, in this series. Okay, now, I want us to look at something that Paul says in Ephesians 6. And yes, we did an Armor of God series uh, earlier in the year. That, that was more of a defensive series. This is going to be more of us going on the offense. But before we can go on the offense, we, we need to understand something that Paul teaches in Ephesians 6. He says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Sometimes we think our problem is against people. I think the idea of Paul here is even, sometimes we think it's against even our circumstance. And so sometimes what people will do, they'll even move away. Like, we'll try to get away from people. We'll try to get away from our circumstances. If I just move, even if I move across the country. And so often what we hear, though, is, but, but nothing changed. Why? Because you took you with you. And the problem is deeper than, than just people or our circumstances. Paul's here saying we are in a spiritual struggle. We are in a spiritual battle. And, and did you catch this, his language? I mean, what interesting language. It's against the rulers. This is all spiritual. Against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. He's not talking about political powers here. He's talking about spiritual powers. And the language here, it almost seems to suggest like a hierarchy of some kind. Like, like these spiritual forces at B, they're organized, right? Christianity teaches that Satan was actually a powerful angel that rebelled against God and was cast out of heaven. We read about that a little bit in Revelation, that he also took other angels with him. And these fallen angels have created this, this spiritual construct. This, this, they're organized. Some are rulers. Some are authorities and powers. You get this idea like Satan is the head and there's other powerful beings, angelic fallen beings that, that work underneath him. I, I started to wonder, do some of these beings oversee regions in the world? And then do they have others underneath them Maybe like foot soldiers, the, those who that we, would, would, we, just, we read about in the Bible, the demons. But this is very organized, and there's like a hierarchy that Paul is describing, and he's saying this is, what our, this is actually what you and I are ultimately battling against. It's, it's spiritual. It's spiritual in nature. And I, I, I wonder... 
If, if some of us here have ever considered that maybe the struggle in our life or the hang-up in our life or that thing that we just can't seem to get past in our life, that maybe it's spiritual. Because in the West, right, we struggle with that. In the West, we tend to think everything has a solution found in this world. And, and so in the West, we champion things like medicine and science and psychology, and please don't get me wrong, those are good things. God gave us brains, God gave us resources, and these are what theologians would call common grace. These are really good things. Listen, I'm thankful for medicine. We are not Christian scientists. Christian science is a cult that believes pain is just an illusion, so you don't need medicine. We do not believe that. Medicine is a common grace. I'm telling you what, when I get sick, I get a common cold. I do not want my wife's hippie oil medicine. <laughs> Trying to rub it on my wrist and under my nostrils. I want some ibuprofen. I want some of that NyQuil that like knocks you out so you don't feel nothing. I am pro-medicine. I love science. In fact, if I didn't go into ministry, I'd probably be going into some form of science. I love to study science, especially physics, astrophysics, and the things that we know. I mean, it just, it blows my mind. And it helps me actually have a better picture of God. I'm very pro-science. I know many good Christians who have been so helped by good therapists and good psychologists in their life. All of these things are common grace, but... Have we ever considered that some problems, some problems are spiritual in nature and that there is not a worldly solution for it? That you're not going to find anything in this world that's going to be able to solve that problem. Could it be a psychological problem? Maybe some of us have tried all the medicines that are out there and they keep upping our dose and, and they keep trying. It just seems like whatever, it just don't seem to be getting the help that we know we want. I'm just throwing this out there. Some problems, don't get me wrong. I don't want to be one of those people who says, you know, doesn't recognize the brain is a physical thing. Just like the body. And when you hurt a body and you can have medicine that helps your body, so there is medicine that can help your brain. But sometimes there are spiritual problems that affect our minds. And I'm just wondering, could for some of us have a problem in the mind that requires a spiritual solution? And by the way, we need to take the shame and the taboo away from spiritual problems. Can I, can I just be honest? Like your pastor has struggled with these things over the years. And so I know, I know this battle. Um, in fact, it was probably, what, two months ago now? Uh, I was experiencing some, some, some real, real flare-ups in my mind. And uh, I, I was feeling overwhelmed. My grandma had just passed away. Uh, and to make matters worse, like, the same day my grandma passed away, my family called her brother, my great uncle, who, that I was close with. He heard the news, had a heart attack right there and died. So I lost my grandma and my uncle in, in, in one day. And um, the family was like, hey, we want you to do your grandma's 
funeral. They're down in Texas, so I was going to have to get on a plane, fly that weekend. So, friends, you can, you can maybe just feel how overwhelmed I was feeling. I was trying to grieve. I was planning for a funeral. I had two funerals that I was going to be doing that weekend. I mean, everything was up in the air, even though at that point. And then we had our annual celebration that same week. Can you imagine how I was maybe feeling a little overwhelmed? And that's something that I've struggled with over the years, is just feel that feeling of being overwhelmed and anxiety, and it rises up in me. And I knew I wasn't going to make it if I didn't spend some time in prayer. And so I sat down, and I just prayed. This was in my office. I prayed for half an hour, and I said, I'm not getting up from this chair, God, until you give me peace. And I prayed, and I started praying. And guys, I started feeling something so deep in my soul. I don't know how to describe it. It literally was so deep. I'm not exaggerating. My body started doing, my body started twerking as I was praying. It was twerking. I don't know if anyone's ever experienced that. Something deep was happening in my soul where I'm sitting there in my chair doing this. I knew something was happening. I knew something was going on. And I'm telling you, I prayed that those chains of being overwhelmed and anxiety would go away. Boom. And I said amen, and they left. And I would not tell you that. Listen, I would not tell you that if that were not 110% the truth. Because when I'm talking about, there's some danger with this. I'm not trying to act like we can always just fix our problems with a prayer. But in this case... Friends, God has done something in my, he broke a chain. He undid a stronghold in my life. And, it, and, and like something will come up and I know, oh, I'm supposed to be overwhelmed right now because that old pattern's still there. I'm like, I'm supposed to be overwhelmed right now. And I'm numb to it. Just numb. There's just a numbness. God has changed something literally in my soul. It's one of the reasons we're doing this series. Like this stuff I'm talking about is real. Some things medicine can help with. Some things are spiritual, and they're going to need some prayer. And I just wonder with us, like, is there anything in our life maybe we need to consider? Maybe it is spiritual in nature. Because Paul's telling us here, we got a battle going on. For some of us, it could be our marriage. Have you ever considered that maybe the problem, maybe a good counselor could solve that problem in your marriage? Maybe. But maybe you've tried all the counseling in the world and it doesn't seem to be bringing the intimacy you know your marriage should have. Is it possible there's a spiritual problem going on? And I hope what you hear, I hope you're hearing my heart in this. Guys, I'm in this struggle with you. I still have chains in my life. I know, that's, this is, that one of the things my eyes were opened up to that, I still got more chains that need to be broken I'm in this battle with you. We all still got chains. So I'm trying to get rid of the shame in all this. Do you see what I'm saying? Because too often in the church, shame creeps up. Oh, I got anxiety. I'm struggling with depression. I can't tell anybody in the church, though, they'll think something's wrong with me. Welcome to the club. We are in a spiritual battle, friends. In fact, have you ever thought that if you are struggling with anxiety, if you are struggling with depression, if you are struggling with marital problems, and it is spiritual nature, have you ever thought that's because God has a plan for your life and the enemy wants to disrupt it? And you got a target on your back? And I know with marriage, man, it takes two people, right? And some of us feel alone in that. And my encouragement to you, though, is, is don't give up. Keep praying. 
you haven't seen the movie War Room with Priscilla Shire, I want to encourage you to watch that movie. Her war room, that's her prayer room. She goes and she prays and she fights. So some of us need a war room. And we've seen those stories happen here at Edinburgh Church where a spouse prays for years and then it, boom, it happens. I've seen it. And some of you need to just keep praying. That's you. Do not give up. That's my encouragement to you. Care if you've been praying 30 years, keep praying. What about our children? Some of you, you know, listen, I'm telling you, sometimes the problem going on in our kids, it, there's something spiritual going on in nature. Parents, we got to understand this. We got to have our eyes opened up to this. No shame in that. Your house might have a target on it. But sometimes it's our kids, and you can read all the Dr. Phil you want. But it's not going to get you anywhere because the problem is spiritual, and there's not an answer in this world that, that's going to fix it. And, 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 and I'm putting my hand up and saying, church, please pray for my family. Please pray for my children. They're PKs. It's hard to be a PK. Please pray for my kids. Okay, because that is my first ministry. And I'm just going to tell you, that is my first ministry. And if this job ever starts getting in the way of my kids and their faith, guys, I'm just telling you, I'm hanging up my hat. Am I threatening you? <laughs> yes. Pray for my family. Pray for my kids. We need each other. We need prayer. All of us. All of our homes. All of our kids. Our kids are under attack today. I have no doubt about it. And so we need a church family. Okay? Praying, teaching, serving, volunteering, helping, blessing. What about our community? Do I need to spend any time talking about our community? How's politics doing serving the racial tensions in our country? Do I need to spend any time on this? Okay, I think it's pretty obvious. Maybe there's just some spiritual stuff that's going on, and the church has got to start praying and pushing back that darkness. Because until we start praying and inviting Jesus' presence into all of this, we're not going to see any solutions. Hey, I'm not saying government, I'm not saying policies, I'm not saying those things can't help and mitigate, but if we want to get to the root problem of some of these things that we see happening in our country, it's going to take, it's going to take the blood of Jesus. And I want that. Do you want that? So sometimes our problem is spiritual in nature. Not always, but sometimes it is. So what's the answer, okay? What is the solution? I want us to look at a story in Mark 5. With the rest of the time we have, I'm going to go through this pretty quickly because I spent time on this, just setting this up. But this is, this is a, a story that, that maybe gives us some pointers into what our solution is. This is from Mark 5, verse 1. We read, They, the disciples, went across the lake to the region of the Gerasians. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit, that's a demonic spirit, came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. So it's giving him like supernatural strength even. It says no one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out. And, and get this, he would cut himself 
with, with stones. First thing I want us to observe is this man is actually possessed, and here's what we believe as Christians. If you have the Holy Spirit in you, if you've received Christ, you've been baptized into the Spirit of God, you cannot be possessed by a spirit, an unclean spirit, because, because the, the Holy Spirit dwells in you, okay? You, you can't be possessed where it can take away your mental faculty and cause you to do things that you wouldn't do if you were in a, in a, in a, in a rational state of mind, okay? Um, you can't be possessed, but you can be oppressed. And so the demonic activity, even as Christians, like I said, you have a target on your back, and they're going to try to come in and torment and oppress us. You need to be aware of that. Now, it says that he also would cut himself. This is interesting, friends, because this is a phenomenon we even see today. People who hurt themselves, and specifically, they maybe don't use stones, but they will cut themselves. And I just want to say if that's you, I want you to know this is a safe place. Maybe you are being oppressed, and maybe you need a church family to pray for you. And you need to be willing to take off that mask and say, hey, like, I need some prayer. I just want you to know this is a safe place. And if that's you, I'd love to be the person who prays for you. But this is a thing we see that, that is a sign of demonic activity that some of us even in here are experiencing. But listen to this. It says, when he, so this demon-possessed man, he sees Jesus from a distance. He ran and he fell on his knees in front of him. He, he shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Okay, who has authority here? Is there a battle taking place here? Are they going to duke it out right here? No, this man comes and bows at the feet of Jesus and says, don't torture me, son of the most high God. And I want you to notice something, son of the most high God. I have never really thought about it this way. This week, I'm reading this, I'm like, whoa, most high God. Why is he called the most high God? Because this is a God who dwells in the third heavens above those spiritual authorities and rulers. See, the Bible talks about other gods, lowercase g, gods. It does. There are other rulers and authorities overseeing this world. But in the third heavens, the heavens that Paul had a revelation, that's where our God, that's where our spirit dwells. The most high God. So they have to come and submit and beg Jesus <laughs> not to torture them. And then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion. This is a Roman military term. It means it was a unit of soldiers, anywhere between 3,000 and 6,000 people. So it's not just one demon possessing this man. It's at least 3,000, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. Okay, so then it says, a large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. And the demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. And so he gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. And it says, the herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Okay, let me make just real quick three observations about these demons. The first thing, did you catch that they're territorial? Don't send us out of this area, Jesus. They're apparently, they're territorial. So that tells us something. We, we might have some, like, spiritual presence impure spiritual presence here in Brooklyn Park, Champlain, that oversees this area. Some of you 
And again, no shame in this. You might have impure spirits have taken territory in your home. You might. We've had people come and say, hey, will you come and pray for my home because we feel like there's a presence here and it needs to be prayed out of this place. You might. They're territorial in nature. And, and we can invite them in, friends, if we're not careful. I mean, through, you know, things we practice in our home. I would even say things we're watching in our home, things we're listening to in our home. You need to be very careful about this stuff. See, this is getting real, isn't it? I mean, they're territorial. Do not send us out. They like to be in a certain territory. When they find their place, they like to stay. The second thing we learn is they need a host. They don't like to go into arid places and have nothing to torture or torment. They want something to torment. They need a host. They're like a virus. And then last, we see that, that destruction is their purpose. Now, I'm guessing here, okay, is it not weird that Jesus sent them into pigs and that then the pigs rushed down into the water and drowned? Is that, a little, is that just bizarre to anyone else? It's a weird story. Why, when he sent them into the pigs, did they go down into the water and drown themselves? Here's, here's, here's your, your pastor's perspective on it. I think they do this because if there is a hierarchy and these are sort of the foot soldiers who have to go and give a report to their commanding spirit, they need to be able to show what they've been able to destroy. They need to be able to show what they've been able, the destruction they've been able to cause, the havoc they've been able to wreak. And so when Jesus sends them to the pigs, boom, they go into the pigs and, the, and, and have the pigs, 2,000 pigs destroy themselves to bring about destruction, which would have been a lot of money, by the way, for the people that lived in that community. So we need to understand, I believe destruction is their purpose. That's what they're coming to do. They want to kill, steal, and destroy. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there and dressed in his right mind. And they're going to say, thank you, Jesus. No. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man. And they're going to say, Jesus, thank you for freeing this man. Thank you for freeing our land. We want you to stay here, Jesus. That's what they're going to say, right? No, it says, and they, they told them about the pigs. And then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. You see, when we're confronted with these spiritual realities, we come to a fork in the road. And I bet even some of us, as I'm in this message and I'm talking about these realities, some of us would like to just be plugged right back into the matrix. Just give me the pill that plugs me back into the matrix where I can pretend that none of this exists, that all my problems can be fixed in the world. Meanwhile, my mind's spinning out of control, my kids are acting up, my marriage isn't what I want it to be, but at least I don't have to confront spiritual realities. Or we say spiritual realities are a truth, there are rulers, there are authorities that we now need to confront in the name of Jesus. Yeah, that is different. 
And I am begging us as a church to say, please choose the latter. Please choose to understand that you have victory in Jesus' name and now can start pushing back the darkness if you so choose. And it is a choice. Are you going to walk in that? Are you going to step into your freedom? Are you going to step into the authority that Jesus has now given to us, the church? I'm begging you to choose that path. Because no matter how much we try to block this out of our minds and pretend it doesn't exist, it does. This is a reality we must confront. But I want to show you something. comes from Colossians 2. Came across this passage this week. Listen to this, friends. It says, God canceled the record of the charges against us. And he took it away by nailing it to the cross. Maybe some of us are dabbling in sin and have some sin issues going on in our life, you just need to know right here in Christ, if you just confess that to God, your debt, your shame, your guilt will be canceled. He says, in this way, he disarmed the spiritual, what does that say? Oh, there's that term again. He disarmed them. You see, they come with accusation against you. They want to accuse you. See, God, we get to punish this person because they are a sinner. Jesus' death on the cross, it disarmed them. It took that accusation away because now your sin has been paid at the cross. So he disarmed them. It gets better. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. What? Man, I was trying to think, how do I explain this to us? Because this is deep stuff. Too many of us grew up in church. I lo- listen, n- nothing against growing up, but so m- we did not learn the victory we have in Jesus' name. And I've been trying to think, how do I describe this? How do I get us to understand what Jesus did and how he publicly shamed the enemy? This was the best analogy I could come up to. If you are a box, like a person who's watched any boxing, likes boxing, okay, God pulled a rope-a-dope. Do you know what a rope-a-dope is? So two people are boxing, right? A rope-a-dope is where the boxer backs himself up against the rope, making his opponent think that his opponent has the upper hand. And so he's against the rope, and he holds his arms up like this, protecting his head with his gloves. Meanwhile, his opponent throws everything he has at him. Boom, 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 until he's exhausted. (sighs) Meanwhile, he's just absorbed it all. Just absorbed it all. And then we can't get another punch. Boom. The guy against the rope turns and just whomp up. Boom. Victory. This is what Jesus did. He went to the cross. Satan threw everything he had at him. Putting him on that cross. Get rid of this man who has authority over us. He will not walk this earth. Puts him on the cross. Meanwhile, our God is putting all of our sin in Jesus so that you and I will be set free. And then the enemy, exhausting all of his resources, finds out, oh my goodness, we just killed the man who had the sins of the world put upon him and now he's buried those sins in his death and then Jesus comes out of the grave and boom, victory. Victory. 
And here is the good news. That victory is yours. He's disarmed them. What power do you have against me, Satan? My Jesus has taken my sin. You have been played. You are the dope. And my Jesus is the victor, and because I am united and seated at the right hand of my Jesus in the heavenly places, I am a victor too. Are you walking in your victory? Do you know the victory you have, friends? He gave us great authority. See, it was Jesus who had the authority. Now he's given us that authority because you and I are seated in the third heavens next to the most high God. Whoa. Whoa. So what do we do, okay? Just two prayers I'm gonna encourage us to pray as we kick off this series, start walking in this victory that God has already given us. Friends, we are operating from a place of victory, not fear. You think this week preparing for a spiritual warfare series, I wasn't being attacked? being attacked, but I already got the victory. So Satan's annoying. I describe it like a, it's like a mosquito when you're trying to enjoy a campfire. It's annoying, but I got the victory, and so do you. And so we don't have to be in fear. We can engage. We can engage knowing we are the ones who have been given the keys to the kingdom, friends, if we only knew what this stuff meant. So two things I'm going to encourage us to pray as we move forward. First, pray for God's presence. Can we pray for the presence of Christ? I want Jesus with me. I want to sense his presence with me. When you turn on a lamp in your house, does this darkness sit there and debate whether it's going to leave? The darkness just flees. I want Jesus' presence in my heart. I want Jesus' presence in my home. I want Jesus' presence in my kids. I want Jesus' presence in this church. I want Jesus' presence in our community. Amen? And here's what I've learned. You say, well, I got Jesus' presence. You can always ask for more. He will turn up the dial of his intensity of his presence in your heart if you ask him to. I want more, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I want more of you. I want us just to feel that presence right now. Jesus, can we just feel more of you right now? Experience more of you right now, Jesus, just more. More in every heart, in every mind, in every body, in every soul. Jesus, more of you in this place. More. Yes, Jesus, we want more of your presence. And friends, this is one of the things I encourage you to do in your home is turn on some worship music. If you're sensing anything dark in your house, turn on some worship music because the enemy cannot stand before the victory that we sing about. Ask for his presence, ask for more of it. The second thing I encourage is to pray is for power because some of us have some lasting effects of things from our past some strongholds, some bondage, some chains that need to be broken and undone. Let's start asking for the power that Jesus can give us to start breaking those chains. Amen? Amen. As we go through this series, understand it's going to be a journey. It's going to be a process. Don't be discouraged if it doesn't happen overnight. It's a process. God broke those chains in my life at the appropriate time in my life. But we start now saying we're going to start breaking chains and undoing strongholds in our life. Are you going to join me on this journey? 
We're going to kick off this series, and we're going to see some chains broken in this place. You're going to have some chains broken in your life. You're going to have some strongholds and some lies that you've been told undone, and you are going to start walking in some freedom with your pastor on this journey with you. Woo! I get excited. We're going to end this morning taking communion together. Hopefully all of you grabbed communion cup. If you don't, we've got some Got the host team in the back. Just raise your hand if you didn't grab one. Also, there's some in the seat backs in front of you. Should be one in reaching distance. But just raise your hand if you don't have one. I got to read one more scripture for you. Man, I was just like, whoa, there's such good scripture on this subject. But listen to this, friends. Ephesians 3.10. God's intent was that now, through the church, What does this say? The what? The manifold wisdom of God. You know what he's talking about there? He's talking about the rope-a-dope. The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to who? The rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. According to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, church, As we walk in this victory, we are to remind those spiritual rulers and authorities of the victory that Jesus has secured for us. That's what pushes back the darkness. And that's what this represents. The one who was willing to be sacrificed, to have his body crushed, pierced, his blood poured out. So that you could be set free. Start walking in victory and start learning how to break those chains and that bondage in your life. Church, let's remind the enemy this morning of what Christ has done. So we're gonna open this top layer and we're gonna take this uh, wafer here which represents his body. And we're just gonna say, thank you Jesus for letting your body be pierced and your body be crushed so that we could have victory. We thank you, Jesus, and we pray this in your name. And we peel back the second layer, which represents the blood shed for you and me. Man, this blood poured out for the forgiveness of sin. Anybody need some some sin nailed to the cross this morning? Sacrifice has already been made. Send it to the cross (laughs) and be set free. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood poured out so that we could be washed clean and made new. Powerful, powerful, powerful thing here. We drink in your name, Jesus. Amen. Lord Jesus, thank you for this church. Thank you that we're a church that walks in victory, that reminds the enemy through worship what you have accomplished what you have done. Let us be a people who walk in it. We're gonna pray for more of your presence in this place, that it's gonna go from here beyond our walls and spread to our homes and our workplace and even our community. Everywhere we go, Jesus, more of your presence in us, working through us. And Lord, we're gonna pray for more power. I know there are chains this morning right now that need to be broken. And if there's any chains you wanna break in someone's life right now, would you give them just recognition of what that chain is? May they say, Jesus, here's my chain. Here's what I'm struggling with. Here's my problem. I'm lifting it up to you and we're gonna pray in the name of Jesus. Boom. 
that chain is broken. Set us free, Lord. Set us free. And help us to walk out of here today experiencing more of the freedom you have and want for each and every one of us. It is for freedom that you have set us free. Thank you, Jesus. We pray these things in your name. Amen.